1: from the ESPN 690 Anna Jarrett Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, we're back at it once again from Streamsong Resort. Here in Bowling Green, Florida, Brent Martineau here, Stuart Weber here as well. Action Sports Jax Studios full of Austin Lane and Justin Kuzark. we call him Kuz. Learned this last night that we really aren't in Polk County. We are in Hardy County. So how about that? Didn't realize that. But thanks to uh, Twitter, uh, we found out. So uh, a little nugget of knowledge here as we uh, make our way across the state of Florida. Uh, One more show from Streamsong Resort. Uh, It's been a great stay. Uh, Again, if you missed yesterday, a little explanation. Stuart and I make a little pilgrimage over here, play a little golf, hang out here. Uh, This was supposed to be the bye week. And, uh, well, we're doing some shows from here, just like we did last year. Meet up with some of the folks here at Streamsong Resort, too, because not just golf. We have bass fishing, uh, shooting in terms of uh, skeet shooting, and, and many other things. And it's a resort as well, from spa services to uh, just hanging out. Uh, good eats and, and drinks and, and really a neat place, uh, unusual place. So uh, unusual place, a very cool place, but different in the uh, state of Florida for sure. Uh, what is up, Austin Lane? How are we doing today? Uh, it sounds like uh, you're, like, making some noise over here. you getting situated?
0: Yeah, man. I'm trying to figure out what to do with this microphone because I'm using a different camera, and I don't want the microphone, obviously, in front of my face. You so should have it I'm on just, the other side. Yeah, you know, it doesn't feel comfortable because, like, because we've been over this, man, many times. How this doesn't want to stay. Yeah, it's going good, though, man. Just trying to figure out this microphone situation right now.
1: I, I got you. Well, hello yeah. to you. And, Kuz, just let me know, I mean, are you dealing with some former NFL player kind of stuff right now back in that studio?
0: Whoa! Oh, I don't know what that means.
1: I don't I don't either. I mean, it just sounded like you were kind of perturbed you, at the microphone. I'll I- I- tell you
0: what, I'm not sure what that means, but it sounded like an insult to me. No, not an insult
1: at all. I mean, okay. sometimes it might just be harsh reality.
0: All right. Well, careful, man. Just saying. Twitter is extra lively right now. <laughs> I hate to send up some more. Oh yeah. It, 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 it. What's
1: What's up with Twitter
0: today? Uh, uh, it's stuff you don't even want to talk about. You know, oh, it's, really? it's, it's it's just more like politics stuff. Oh
1: yeah. We're, yeah, we're, yeah, we don't yeah, want to. We, yeah. we don't want to go there. Um. No, we don't want to go there.
0: No. The
1: first comment on this stream is, what is Austin doing? (laughs) (laughs) See? I I wasn't even watching. I could kind of hear it. I was like, what's going on back
0: there? Well, see, I mean, it's hard to explain to you, Brent, but if people are watching at home or, you know, in the confines of their cell phone, and Kuz can see this, like, it's kind of a crazy situation, because if I have the microphone over here, I can't see my computer screen, but if I have it on the other side, well, then I can't, the, the, the microphone's in my face. So, like, either way, it's kind of a loser situation right now, but I put it in front of the computer. Computers, so I can't really see what I'm doing, but it is what it is. We're all good.
1: You're rocking the day. You got the AC/DC shirt on.
0: Oh, you see, yeah, I like that, don't you? Yeah, that's very. 1974. Good. They just released a new album, actually.
1: Oh, how yeah. They, they did.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it was they uh, what? They Power so up, right. Yeah. Pop, okay, Coos. Yeah. So they released a new album, and actually, it got a. Oh, I, the first time I heard about it, me and John Bachman were going back and forth about this. They introduced it on Thursday Night Football. Like two weeks ago.
1: Oh, you know, I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, that's right. That's Which interesting way to place that.
0: I mean, thank God for the NFL Network to keep me up to date on my ACDC news. So shout out to you know Steve Smith and all the other crew that was announcing that. That was a uh, that was a nice touch there.
1: Yeah, it's a creative way to do it. I guess uh, so. For sure. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, coo, Stuart Weber here as well. And uh, Gardner Mitchell just met the media for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they try to flip the page on another week. And there's just not good feelings back in Jacksonville uh, about this football team right now. They can feel it. Hey, you know one thing I appreciate about this team? They're not avoiding it, man. You know how I always say, like, uh, teams live in a bubble and players live in a bubble? They know what's going on. I mean, this is square in the face. I, I guess when you lose five in a row, you kind of know. And when you play bad, you kind of know. But there's no like, um, it, it doesn't seem like these these grander th- thoughts like, well, you guys really don't know what's going on on the outside. It's better than you think it is. We've had that over the years mm. in Jacksonville. And I don't think this group is like that. I think Doug Marone knows it's pretty bad right now. I think Gardner Minshew is admitting it's pretty bad right now. And we got to try to fix it. I appreciate that honesty and accountability from this team. I don't know if it means much, but I'm trying to find something.
0: No, that's, you know, that's, that's very nice of you. That's a good way not to get blocked by a bunch of, uh, you know, players or anything like that. So props to you for doing that. Um, listen, I've been in those locker rooms where you've only won one or two games. And obviously it seems like the world's coming down on you. Um, and I get that. And it seems like, you know, those first three or four games that you lose, it's like, you know, they don't know what's going on. We had an off game or whatever. But then when you keep on losing the same way over and over and over again, whether it's from the media's perspective, a fan's perspective, or most importantly, a player's perspective, you start to realize that's who you are. Right. So I don't want to say there's like a come to Jesus moment right now for the, for that locker room where it's like, guys, we're probably not the best team in the NFL like we thought we were. But there's definitely some realism going on where it's saying, you know what? The 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 way the last four games have gone, um, it's an indication. Now we can obviously change it, but right now it's an indication of the type of team we are. And spoiler alert: we lost to the Browns, the Bengals, uh, and a Texas team that didn't win a game at the time. Um, we're probably not that good right now.
1: Yeah, and I think you can throw the Dolphins, throw the in Dolphins there too. in there as well. Yeah, you know, and you have a Chargers team coming up this week. Where listen, I feel like they're they are better than their record. Like I feel like that. Uh, although that's probably unfair because Bill Parcells says you are what you're record says you are Mm. uh are they a gettable team for the jags and how stunned would you be if the jaguars were to go out to the west coast and win and what i want to do at least for a moment is take the west coast nature of this out because i understand jags have not done well over the years i think they're like three and nine all time out west which feels like they should be more than three and nine i feel like they've had more than 12 games out west but uh maybe that my numbers are off so take the even if this was at a neutral site man Mm. uh How stunned would you be if the Jaguars were to beat the Chargers, uh, given what you saw maybe from Herbert the last couple weeks and them them really controlling the game against the Saints, and now given what we've seen the last few weeks out of the Jags?
0: I would be extremely stunned. Um, Like you said, let's take the West Coast bias out of it real quick, and let's just break down this Chargers roster. All right, I mean, if you remember that game last year, the Chargers played with, and you know, with an aging Philip Rivers who was kind of a shell of himself last season. Well, he had his breakout game last year against the Jaguars, right? And I don't, don't get it twisted. Obviously, the Chargers they have some injuries, like every NFL team does. Austin Eckers is going to be out of this one, so their running game takes a little bit of a hit. But let's be honest. I mean, when you got Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson, you have to like those guys as well because DeAndre Swift wasn't even on my radar last week, and look what he did. So I don't think it really matters who the running back is for the opposing team they could have a field day. But when you, mi- when you mix the emergence of Justin Herbert, obviously Keenan Allen, one of the best wide receivers in the game, the, the deep ball threat of a Mike Williams with his speed, and then having that tight end, which the Jaguars seem like, listen, they can't cover tight ends. We got one of the best in Hunter Henry. Um, to me, at least from the defensive perspective of the Jaguars, it's a recipe for absolute disaster. Now keep in mind, too, the Chargers coming off a bye week have had time to prepare for this Jaguars club. Oh, and by the way, their defense is led by Gus Bradley, who is a former Jaguars coach obviously has history with Jacksonville and would love nothing more than to mollywop the Jacksonville Jaguars
1: yeah I think so I mean I I feel like I know Gus pretty well I'm not sure if that's a key motivator for him and and he's obviously done that over the last few years he's been able to go against the Jags and uh, I feel like he lost one in 17 it was I believe Um, and won last year and and maybe won another one in there uh, if I'm not mistaken but I I get what you're saying Uh, to that point uh, good reference on, on a Wednesday to Molly Wopped already, very good. Mm. I got Molly Wapped out of the golf course, but I won't bring that up right now. Uh, the, the, uh, the scheme of this defense is something Todd Wash obviously plays to, right? So Gus Bradley and the Chargers, what they're gonna run. Sure, we can throw the wrinkles in and all that stuff. But, shouldn't this offense be pretty well re- rehearsed at, at this defense? Like, shouldn't they know some of the, the, the ways to beat it, the weaknesses. They see it every day in practice, and quite frankly, they've seen it for a long time around here in practice.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, I think Gus Bradley is a little more keen on throwing wrinkles in there. I think we saw last two years ago would have been when the Chargers played the Patriots. Gus Bradley completely threw a curveball at that Patriots team led by Tom Brady. The offense had zero answers. So I think Gus Bradley, listen, Bradley comes from the same tree as Wash does in terms of the defensive scheme. But I think in terms of being a little more open-minded, um, throwing wrinkles here or there, I think Bradley has advantage there. And obviously, I think in terms of talent, whether it's the secondary, uh, and to be fair, the defensive line right now, I mean, I think Bosa's coming back. I know he's questionable, but I assume he's going to play. He got some playing time against the Saints. One could assume he gets some more playing time. I think right now with their personnel, you like them a lot better too with the Chargers. So I get what you're saying. Um, same kind of philosophies but I expect some wrinkles as well from Gus Bradley.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens there, and obviously the offense just has to play better. I really do feel like it. I don't really think it's the defense is stopping the offense that much. I feel like it is the offense stopping the offense. Uh, now, you got to give them credit. I understand they're doing some things and making some plays. But I feel like the offensive line really played bad the other day. I feel like the holding call, you go back to some dropped plays, some missed throws, some wide-open receivers. I really feel like it's more on the Jags stopping themselves than it is on other teams stopping them. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's probably a little of both, but it certainly feels... A little bit exaggerated on this end of things, where the Jags are making so many mistakes, too many mistakes, play calls not running enough, all the rest of it. I have these random thoughts sometimes, and today I had this random thought. Maybe I should have had them earlier, uh, but I had to daydream on the golf course a little bit because I was playing so poorly, (sighs) and I might have uh, been sparked by seeing Calais Campbell's name somewhere. Calais Campbell has four sacks. He had three the other day. So he's had four sacks. I think he's playing pretty good football. To be honest with you, I haven't watched a lot of it. Uh, but I'm assuming he's playing pretty good football with the Ravens. Yannick gakwe they're not very good on defense, but Jan has five sacks. So that's nine total by those two guys that you basically had on your roster a uh, few months back. The Jaguars have five sacks. They've really struggled on the defensive line. Here's my question, Austin. How much of a difference would those guys be making right now in the first six games of the season? The Jags are one and five. How much of an impact would they be making in terms of these games, in your opinion, if both were still on this roster? Because let's be honest, uh, one way or another, both could have been on this roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think if you want to rank them in terms of who would be more valuable to this team right now, and all due to respect to the young gun out there in Minnesota, but the answer is clearly Calais Campbell. Because like I've preached since they let him go, you have no answer at three technique. And you have no answer at the interior pass rush. You can have the greatest bookends in the world. But if you aren't creating pressure up the middle, the quarterback can step up, which how many times have we seen? How many times have we seen quarterbacks just scramble for first downs by stepping up in the pocket because rush lanes are not being manned? It's as simple as that. So I think if you have Clayus Campbell there, a household name obviously in the league, a guy that's well-respected, a guy that commands attention when he goes against defensive coordinators, I think if you have Clayus Campbell out there, you, you, number one, have that interior rush, and all of a sudden it forces the offensive line to take so much focus off that edge rush
1: yeah I so do you think they would be playing Calais like over Taven Bryan in that spot or do you think they'd be bouncing him around between Gotsis' spot and Taven Bryan's spot
0: so are you saying if Calais Campbell was here right now where, yeah where would he, oh he because playing, he, he's he playing play three, both. yeah no he's playing three technique all day okay, okay.
1: yeah because he's played both here you know, oh no no, no I got series.
0: you yeah I mean to be fair Calais what was that big end and then in, in pass in pass rush situations he was more about that three technique so i get what you're saying there but to answer the question all day three technique no matter if it's base or if it's pass rush just because it is so important to that defense
1: yeah that makes some sense so uh, you know it's interesting you brought up a kind of a twist on this question is calais campbell would make a big difference i think because of the interior and you can certainly point to leadership and everything else uh But Jan does have five sacks. Jan is the game-changer guy. Jan is the guy, when you need a play, he certainly can deliver that play. Sack, force, fumble, all those things. So I would be an interesting twist to this question. Who do you need more right now? And your belief is Calais Campbell. Just because of that interior, you could slide somebody in. Uh, To that point, are we also not giving the Jags, uh, this is such a bad word to use, enough of an excuse Mm for not having Gunter and Woods. Because when they obviously planned for this football team, they planned to replace Calais in in one way, Marcel Darius a little bit, that interior a little bit. And so right now you could see Gunther playing three technique or that big end spot. You could see Al Woods in there. And I don't honestly even know how Avery Jones and those guys are playing, but they don't show up in the stat sheet. They don't normally show up in the stat sheet. Well, and I know the running game has been getting eaten true. alive a little bit lately.
0: Well, and let's be fair. In terms of interior rushing, that was never Avery Jones's forte in the first place.
1: Yes, true, true. It was yeah, just being a run star. Yeah, he's, well, that's what Al technique. Woods was going to be. Right? Correct, yes. So if – I ask you, Jan and Calais, they're missing these two guys that everybody knows, everybody really loves, and their production that they had on these defenses that were so good. But then we don't know much about Al Woods. We don't know much about Rodney Gunter. Is it a fair excuse to this organization at the moment to be so bad on their defensive front because those guys didn't pan out obviously one due to covid-19 opted out Al Woods did and then the other in Gunther who has a heart condition and and may never play the sport again
0: Yeah I mean I mean listen those are two those are two big things, right? But at the end of the day, every team experiences these types of things, right? Now, I get it. COVID-19 kind of puts you behind the eight ball a little bit, but th- that's not an excuse to me. Like, yeah, I, I said when Gunter you know, choose, chose to opt out, well, he had to opt out. He didn't choose to. He was forced to, obviously. Yeah. But when he was forced to opt out, I said that was going to be the biggest loss of the season. And you know what? Probably it is right now. But there's always other guys out there, right? Like, to me, like look at the Seahawks. Right, the, the, the Seahawks right now, their defensive line, well, let's be honest, Brent, not what it used to be, right? But do they keep on trying to make plays, whether it's getting Snacks Harrison now on the practice squad? Like They're always constantly trying to evolve and find that guy. They're, they're trying to get better. Have the Jaguars done anything that, that shows, you know what, they, they brought this defensive tackle in, they're worried about their interior pressure, so they brought this guy in? Absolutely not. You're you're busy trading for guys, you know, outside linebacker that could replace Cashish Marsh. But like for whatever reason, it seems like they're stagnant at the interior and they're happy with it. And they shouldn't be. Obviously, I can see it. Jaguars fans can see it. And if they can see it, I assume the coaching staff sees it. So to me, if you have to trade somebody, then trade somebody. But obviously, right now that interior pass rush, it's lacking and it's costing them majorly.
1: All right, one last thought on this, since we're on it. We've gone from Calais to Jan to Gunther and Woods, and what they do have is a young guy like Devon Hamilton in there, along with Avery Jones, and they have Taven Bryan. Start with Hamilton. Have you seen anything from this guy that you like and that might project forward? And secondly, we'll get to Taven Bryan, but is this now being classified as a bust? I think people wanted to do it early on. I don't like doing that early on, but I don't see Taven Bryan doing a darn thing, man. And the more more people i talk to he's not doing a darn thing so whatever showed up in august early on is not showing up and translating to games
0: yeah so i think with the devon hamilton there he's still learning um you know the position and what they're asking him to do i've seen flashes um you know i think he's got a great get off i think he's got great power but right now he's still learning that position and it's as simple as that from from what he did in college to right now there's a difference and and he's learning that on the fly so that's uh, that's hard for anybody let alone a guy that was taking what, in the third round? Third round, yeah. Yeah. And then with Taven Bryan, I mean, listen, when you took Taven Bryan, that was a luxury pick because your defensive line at the time was shored up. Now, obviously, whatever happened happened, and it's become a mess, and now he's the starting three technique of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not going to make any excuses for Taven Bryan because any time you're, you're taking in the first round, um you have to be successful. You know, I mean, I always say Tyson Alualu never got the credit that he deserved because why? Well, he didn't have the sack numbers. Like, if you go back and watch the film with Tyson Alualu, that guy did everything in his power to be successful and you know what he did like he was never the problem of our defensive line i think with tave and brian right now any game you watch there's there's a liability factor there there's a guy that's getting driven out of his hole there's a guy who's going in the wrong gap there's a guy that's not getting off blocks i mean i see the intensity and i see the passion and he's, he's always been known for that type of stuff and that's great that can lay the groundwork but eventually, when you start getting all these starts, you got to start putting it all together. And you have to see the big picture. And right now, it seems like, and to quote Quincy Williams from last year, it seems like Taven Bryan's head is still in that beehive right now.
1: Yeah, well, it shouldn't be three years in. Taven Bryan's playing more like a fourth, fifth, sixth-round pick. You know, go back to Tyson Alawala. He certainly wasn't a top-ten pick. He, he shouldn't have been. Gene Smith overdrafted him. But now you look back on his career, certainly looked like... He delivered to be like a 25th, 26th, 27th overall pick. Uh, you take that career, I say it all the time. Taven Bryan would sign up right now for the career of Tyson Aluoglu. Quite frankly, the Jaguars would sign up for that kind of play. And... I'm talking about the kind of play that Tyson Alualu had when he was with Jacksonville. Right yeah. now he's playing at an extremely high level. He might be playing the best of his career right now, and you're like number 11 or 12 yeah. with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Jaguars need more out of their interior. You've been saying it for a long time. Uh, my random thought during one of my triple bogeys today, let us down that path.
0: Oof. Yeah. That's that's three goblins coming at you. <laughs>
1: that is three goblins that's coming rough. at you. That's <laughs> uh, More on that. Uh, more NFL talk. Van Gundy to the Pelicans. Do you like the matchup in Game 2 of the World Series tonight? How much trouble are the Tampa Bay Rays in? That's coming up here on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. We're live from Streamsong Resort. Brent Martineau. but we could really take this show off the rails if we wanted to go all like half politics, half sports.
0: Austin Lane, I we, mean, have you been on Twitter lately? Do you, do you want a hundred thousand extra hundred thousand dollars? You want a scholarship? Let's go politics. <laughs> when we get back here. Action sports, Jacks on ESPN six ninety.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Action Sports Jackson on ESPN six ninety. Brett Martineau along with Rusty Mercer, here from Streamsong Resort. And I was just about to type up here at uh, on our Twitter feeds. I always tease the segment, and I and I'm typing up. We're here to talk a little science and golf, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, I might be the wrong guy to ask about science. I'm not a science guy, but you're a science guy. Rusty Mercer, he is the director of golf agronomy here at Streamsong Resort. And uh, appreciate you joining us, and I'm sorry you had to watch a little bit of my golf game today. We played together.
2: Vern, uh, it was great fun, and thanks for having me on. And uh, let's talk a little science.
1: Yeah, let's do that. Well, by the way, Rusty, which is pretty cool, uh, he's a big uh, sports fan as well. Mississippi State guy. So sometime along the way, Austin, when we jump back in here with you. You got to ring that bell. See, my neighbors are Mississippi State fans, and we have a bell that they've given us. So when we mention Mississippi State, we got to ring the bell uh, because you know all about the
2: company. You've you've been bestowed a great honor. You know,
1: it's funny. The neighbors neighbors have given us uh, so many bells now. I've got them all over the place. I've got them in the living room. I've got them in the radio studio. I've got them ready to go. But we'll definitely ring that bell uh, from time to time. you like uh, college football talk. Unfortunately, right now, the Hale State is struggling to score some points.
2: We are, but it's uh, you know it's a new season, a new coach. Uh, we don't know the system yet, so I, I don't I don't I don't want to be a fair weather fan. Let's give him a chance, okay? <laughs>
1: I like it, and he's a
2: fun guy too. So if he they is. get
1: winning, you can have a lot of fun there. And Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And he'll, he'll get it turned around, I think. He's All got right. to get his own players on the field, though.
1: Absolutely. All right, so let's talk a little science in golf. These Mach 1 greens, what's fascinating to me is here at Streamsong, uh, what, number 2, 3, and 4 ranked golf courses in the state of Florida, uh, nationally ranked, world-renowned resort. You guys are the only ones that have this type of green, I think, at any 18-hole course in the world. How did it come about?
2: Well, that's true, uh, and we've we've sort of taken a chance here. And uh, I, I think the best way to explain this is we just uh, we we know what all of the other varieties are going to do, and we're just not happy with those. So we didn't see a big risk here. Um, And and early signs are are indicative that maybe we we made a really good choice. The the greens are rolling very smooth. The speed is uh, maybe not where we want them ultimately, but they're not bad for new greens. And uh, we feel pretty good about the decisions that we've made thus far.
1: We were hearing a story uh, yesterday um, from uh, Scott Wilson. He said he basically had door number one, door number two, door number three, and you tried these out. And uh, how did that process work, and were you surprised that these greens – were the ones that people said, I like door number three or whatever number that was?
2: Yeah, well, this wasn't a, I mean, we kind of tried to go about this as systematically as we could. I, I got uh, enough grass of all of the available ultra doors that, 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 that we have at our disposal. And we went up and planted 10,000 square feet of each one of them uh, and grew those in and cut holes in them. And then we just started inviting pro shop staff, people, ownership, caddies, anybody and everybody that we could think of to go up and just roll putts. We never told anybody what was what. They, they were unmarked, so it was a true blind test. And it's uh, maybe the first time in my life we had we had, a, we had a, an absolute vote on this. It was, it was uh, like 200 to nothing. Wow. Uh, everybody came back to this one grass and said, that's the best ball roll. How about that? So it kind of got the monkey off of my neck. This is not my decision, this is our decision. Uh, um so if this doesn't work out we collectively will have to, to take some credit for it that's not how this works but but it sounds good I hear you know. but no better
1: at night like I, that. I can
2: I, I, I I've done all I can to make sure that we had a, a, a good solid uh, uh, go at this and that everybody had a say in it
1: that's a very smart and wise decision by you uh, what are you looking for? Obviously, listen, we played them the last couple of days. They're fantastic. I love putting. Uh I'm I'm not greatest golfer, but I really enjoy putting. And you can tell. There's a little bit of difference here. They roll beautiful and they're new. I mean, they I don't know if they'll get better or if this is just instantaneous, this is the way they're going to be. But what from uh, your position, uh director of agronomy here at Stream Song Resort, are you looking for how these will react over the next 3 months, 6 months, 3 years?
2: Well, obviously, long-term is very important, and that's that's been the problem with all of the available varieties thus far, is they're just not very persistent. They uh, they get a lot of off-types in them, and, and as that begins to happen, the ball roll declines in, 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 in how it, it rolls. Um we don't know how that particular aspect of this grass is going to go but what we are seeing right off the bat is just a complete lack of grain and i think that's what you're talking about what you've seen the last two days the ball tracks beautifully if you see the line and put the ball on the line it's going in the hole every time so we feel like even with high handicappers that instills some degree of confidence you know golf needs to be fun yeah yeah and that's kind of what we're all about here yes this is a very unique piece of property But but the overarching factor that we all talked about from from the inception of this place is, let's make sure that this is fun uh, first and foremost. Uh, And I think we've achieved that. Uh, It's it's different, but it is fun. Uh, So I think this adds to that. Um, You know, if, if, if you're confident with that one club in your hands, that can make all the difference in the world. You know, all it takes is to make a few putts to salvage a pretty good score. And I think that's what we're seeing right now is just a complete lack of green. A ball that rides high up on top of the leaf blade. Uh, there's there's very little chatter uh, as the ball travels across the green. And again, if if you see the line and put the ball on the line, it's going to go in the hole.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, they are great rolls, no doubt about it. You can tell that. Uh, and unfortunately, that takes away a little bit of excuse when you're not playing well or making a lot of putts. But uh, it is a true roll, and I think a lot of people who like. A lot of people love golf love good greens. I say that a lot, and that's kind of how they judge a golf course oftentimes. And when you can get a true roll, a good roll, and then the speed, some people like slower, some people like faster. But uh, they really appreciate that part of it. Obviously, these are new greens. You know so much about this industry as director of golf agronomy. Uh, how much is science involved in that aspect, the greens alone. I mean, you could probably really get into words that I can't even understand. But how much science actually goes into trying to make these some of the best greens there there are in the state of Florida and around the world?
2: Well, I'm going to say it's a it's a 50-50 combination of science and then just uh, this this feel. Uh, it, it, it's it's you know these golf courses were built by by three of the best architects of our time. You know, Bill Cor, Ben Crenshaw, Tom Doak, and Gil Hans. Uh, they are they are probably the top three golf course architects in the world today. Um, and through the process of building these golf courses, they were they were, you know, very clear with me about what they wanted. They, they wanted the ball to, to to bounce and roll. This didn't need to be. I think Bill of Course said it best ten years ago. He said, you know, there's enough really good Florida golf in Florida now. There's no reason to build any more. So we didn't. We 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 represent the antithesis of what typical florida golf is on this site and 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 we had a site to do that uh so that's that's not a knock on florida golf it's just this is different this this is a this is an option Um, and the beauty of it really yes uh so it's it's a feel thing of of we're not overly interested in green turf because green turf typically means not too much roll not too much bounce and by
1: green turf you mean aesthetics
2: yes yeah Uh, we we really don't care what the golf courses look like as long as they're playing the way that they're supposed to play and that that's the key thing here so um you know science comes into play there in terms of how low can we take moisture levels before we get into trouble Uh, uh, uh can we read that can we can we react to it at, at the proper time? Are there things that we can apply to, to rescue us if we go a little too far? Um, you know, how do we handle fertility? Uh, again, an over-fertilized golf course is not going to be a golf course that plays the way we want to play golf here. So how low can we take that? And, and in what forms do we want to apply the, that, those fertility uh, packages? And, and and to do all of these things in such a way that we, we never interfere with the architect's intent. That's kind of what we're all about at Streamsong.
1: All right. Uh, Rusty Mercer with us here, director of golf agronomy at Streamsong Resort. Uh, and uh, played some golf with him, by the way. He can hit a little bit. He knew a little bit of the tricks around those greens. I would hope he would. Uh, one last question for you. As a guy in your position... Beautiful resort here, so many good golf courses, and, and again, world-renowned, and everybody talks about it. Back in Jacksonville, I have so many friends like, hey, we've got to get stream on, got to get streams song. Well, that happens all around the state, it happens around the region, happens around the country, and maybe even all over the world, I would assume. Uh, what makes you nervous uh, about being in charge of that? Uh, is that? There's some pressure that's in there, so uh, it, do, you, do you look at the forecast every day? Uh, are you concerned about... Just uh, an outside insect uh, that might come in. I mean, what what keeps you up at night as a guy who's in charge of this?
2: Brent, that's a great question, and it's it's been one that's nagged at me for uh, since day one. You know, when I got here, uh, I I have a close personal relationship with every single shaper that was on this project. I've known them for over twenty years. Uh, so there was, uh, there was this sense of responsibility, uh, not just me to them, but but they also felt it from their end back to me. Nobody wanted to let anybody down. Uh, the architectural, uh, 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 the architects, uh, this is the third golf course I've done with Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw. I've known them for many, many, many years. Uh, and again, these are the three best architects of our time. Uh, when, when they die, they will die as legendary golf course architects. So there is a little bit of pressure with that, um, but you know what? I, I just I don't know that I'm smart enough to really worry about things like that, <laughs> and that's just the truth. I, and I, I think you would drive yourself nuts if you did. Yeah. It's it's a job. Uh, it's a job that I love, and it's uh, I, I'm going to do the best I can every single day, and I'm going to go home feeling okay about that. Uh, so I don't. I don't want to get too wrapped up in any of that kind of stuff because I do think it would overwhelm me. But, yeah, there's a lot to be to be nervous about here because these places are very highly acclaimed. They're well thought of. And the last thing I want to do is be the cause of them to, to, to not do as well as they could. But, again, I, I don't... I don't want to spend too much time laboring over that, or I'll, I'll somebody's going to put me in a straitjacket.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and we all should be like that in everything we do. I mean, you can't control everything. Control what you can control, do the best job, and be passionate about it like you are. Rusty Mercer, uh, director of golf agronomy here at Streamsong Resort. Uh, pleasure to spend a lot of time talking about this. I'm kind of a, a geek when it comes to that stuff. I love learning about it, uh, and I know so many golf people are. Uh, you guys have done a fantastic job. I don't have to tell you that. And and I will say this because I know this is how it works. It's not just you. you got a fantastic staff.
2: I have a tremendous staff. Uh, <clears throat> Kyle Harris is my superintendent on Red and Blue. Alex Aloisio is the superintendent on Black. And these are two really energetic, talented, uh, dedicated guys that, that just do a terrific job of making me look good every day.
1: <laughs> wow, they're doing a great job of it uh, here at Streamsong. Enjoy your little golf getaway, by the way, you got coming up. Thank you. I appreciate well it. Good luck to uh, Mississippi State. We'll ring the bell for you.
2: Thank you. We need it. We need it.
1: <laughs> Rusty Mercer, director of golf agronomy here at Streamsong Resort. He uh, can hit the golf ball as well. Uh, played 18 with him earlier this morning. Unfortunately, he had the treat of doing the same with me. I wouldn't call it a treat. When we come back, we'll talk a little football. Back at it with Austin Lane here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We are live at Streamsong Resort. I've got some folks te- at texting me, hey, what's it like there? Well, check it out. Streamsongresort.com is a place to go if you have any interest in coming on over. Just a three hour ride, an easy one, and you'll love it once you get here. We'll be back on ESPN 690.
0: I don't know. I think it depends on the play. There's certain plays where we have a few checks uh, kind of built in. I'd say that's typically when we have the opportunity to audible. You know, I'd say a few times a game. You know, whenever we're not looking for, you know, perfect plays, we're trying to just stay out of the bad and uh, the negative plays. That
1: is Gardner Minshew, Jaguars quarterback, talking to the media just before our show started, about an hour ago now. Gardner trying to find answers, says they've had good conversations this week. I mean, it's a long season if you don't find some answers. It's already been a long season, it feels like, for the Jaguars. And... I just don't know if the answers are there. A lot of people are curious whether they even can be there, uh, but Gardner Minshew and company are going to try to figure it out. Brent Martineau here at Streamsong Resort. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack Studios. Austin, uh, you can't really see this on the feed, I think, because it's so light out, like we've got a lot of daylight coming through. Okay. But I asked the fine folks here at Streamsong to do me a favor and uh, put on my indoor fireplace, and they did. Oh, let me so in go the ahead and this and so in the background there's an indoor fireplace here and uh, it's on and I as requested by me just for you yeah and i am expected to see uh, Kingsbury come around the corner shortly
0: wait so you're obviously you're inside right now I can see that but you're there's an indoor fireplace like in this like are you like, in the lobby where are you yeah right, right, right we're
1: at the lobby of the resort part uh, yeah. of StreamSong. and I don't know if you can see on the feed, but it's kind of like an orange wall yeah. and there's, oh, a yeah, there's a black cutout.
0: That, that's the fireplace. And it's really
1: hard to see the flames yeah. right now because of the sunlight coming in. Sure. Uh but I just wanted to say I just
0: did that for you. Yeah, is that an electric or is that like a wood? I think that's an electric. Better be a gas one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine the price? <laughs> i'm What is it like 20 cents to run that thing per year? What do you what do you have a fireplace on in the middle of that resort? You're in Florida if you didn't know.
1: Yeah, well, they've actually got, uh, just like my house, outdoor fire pit right there, there, there. I'm looking at three or four of them. See, this is the thing, Austin. I mean, outdoor fire pits in Florida are a thing. Just go ask, like, a builder somewhere. I bet
0: they're pretty busy. I thought you said say, just go ask a billionaire. And i will be like, yeah, I bet they are, <laughs> when you have that much money. Listen, I mean, hey, to each their own, I'm just saying, I've been outside in Florida. I've lived here for, you know, about ten years off and on now, actually six years off and on. But... uh, I've never once said, you know what? You know what would make this experience better living in Florida? A fireplace, because usually I'm sweating. Now, yes, there are those two or three days out of the year in Florida where, ah, okay, it's, it's below 50 degrees. Let's get a little fireplace going. Yeah. But besides that, I'm all good, man.
1: Yeah, there are those days. It's it's great when you do have some of those days. But I think there are more of those days than you, you want to admit.
0: Well, 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 hey, where are those days, Brett? Because it's almost November now, and I haven't
1: felt one of those days yet. I bet between now and... By the way, we had one, like, Saturday night. Like, it was into yeah. the lower 60s. You could have yeah. put the fireplace. I thought it was about humid, pour- though. There was, there were, it was a little humid, but there were too many good games on. I didn't have enough TVs outside with my outside fireplace, so I didn't do it. But <laughs> I think from now through March, I think you got plenty of days to use that thing. In this climate, with this humidity? Absolutely not. That's just me. By the way, are you looking for a new house at some point? Eventually. Yeah, so when you do, I just... I, can I just... Maybe I'll throw, what? like, some dollars in for an outside fireplace. No, hey,
0: listen, we, we've had Brandon on the show that does their picks every single week, and he's even said that it does nothing for the property value <laughs> to have an outdoor fireplace. People probably go tour your house, and it's like, all right, these people are a little weird. Do we really want to move here? So, actually, it's probably a detriment. Like, you're probably better off saying you got ghosts in the house than you do saying you have an outdoor fireplace.
1: I don't know. I kind of feel like it's done a lot for Kingsbury and, and myself's uh, <laughs> reputation. Hey, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you don't put yourself in the same category, so be it, man. You said it, not me. Yeah, that's uh, we'll see. Yeah. Hey, uh, what position groups need to improve a heck of a lot more for the Jaguars to, one, get competitive, but two, win ball games? You can't list all of them. I just said kind of kiddingly, tongue-in-cheek, uh, all of the above is not an option here. Yeah. Do you point out a couple of parts of their football team right now that are just so much underperforming mm-hmm. based on what you expected, okay? Because let's be honest, there are parts of their football team where you wonder what they even had. And I think if you're being honest with yourself on the defensive side, you say that secondary, it's not a dynamic secondary. Yes, they have C.J. Henderson. You hope he plays well. You hope he's a stud. You hope he lives up to that top ten draft pick, which he's not, by the way, so far, but six games in. Mm. Uh so I just think you you had little expectation for that secondary to play great football. So to me, they wouldn't fit this question. Like the offensive line, there was expectation to say, hey, we think we're pretty good. They told us that. I thought they were a major disappointment last week. And I think if you look at the last few weeks, they haven't been great. So for me, I might even jump up to offensive line because... What I think is their offense should be better than it is the last two weeks where they've produced only 30 points combined.
0: So if we're going to get really specific with this, and I guess the question to ask out of this would be, you know, going into the next season, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, like what do the Jaguars need to address to replace uh, based off what you have seen from this roster right now? And obviously, I mean, listen, we, we talked about it already in the, earlier in the segments. I mean, when it comes to three technique, that needs to be addressed, whether in the draft or a free agency. And if it's in the draft, it has to be the early parts of the draft, because let's be honest, um, depending on what happens with Tav and Brian here, but like the three technique going forward is going to be a liability and it's one of the most important positions in football. So obviously a three technique. I also feel like, and maybe this is me just being a little more, um, You know, I don't want to say like uh, I'm I'm comfortable now and I'm getting cocky with it, but I like a lot of the things on this offense, right? Like I think I think James Robinson could be the guy going forward. I think the offensive line, for lack of a better word, is is performing at least better than they did last year. Um, Obviously, quarterback is a possibility, but like I mean, you know, let's take quarterback off the table. But I think a tight end, you know, I think that their tight end right now in in the blocking game in terms of running the ball, that's fine. But I look at offenses, dynamic offenses right now in the NFL, and obviously it is an offensive-driven league. And I look at the tight end position, and it seems like teams that have that tight end position have a lot more success. Um, set aside for my guess, I would say the Seahawks, because Greg Olson is like 60 years old. But even like Green Bay, like it doesn't matter who is the tight end, Aaron Rodgers will find him for four touchdowns a game. But I think if they had like a bona fide receiving threat at tight end, um, that would help. Now, Tyler Eifert's been a little hurt here or there. I get that. But let's be honest, Tyler Eifert isn't what he used to be. Now, maybe he can be serviceable, but I think a tight end is something that you spend on early in the draft to get something back.
1: I like that, where you're thinking, because here's what I just put on social media. I understand the Jags have to fix their defense a lot. I get there's a bunch of holes there. They don't have enough talent there. Uh, That's The most glaring mistakes they have is on defense and and, uh, weaknesses. But I believe I've said this to you before, and I'm really in the mindset right now that They can patch that up, whether it's free agents and some draft picks along the way. They've got plenty of them. They can continue to try to get better there. But I really don't care if they're elite there. I I think I'd like them to be good. And if you're a really good football team, you get better and better, and you're good in both parts. I understand that. But for the foreseeable future, and I'm talking about the next year or so coming up after this season, when you can fix something, I'm not fixing their defense as much as I'm stacking their offense. Mm. And obviously, the quarterback position will go into that. You'll see what you do on the offensive line. But I still don't believe they have enough at wide receiver, given the way football is played in the NFL today. Do you think I'm crazy? And by the way, I like what you said about tight end, because that adds to the receiving position. Mm-hmm. They still don't have that dynamic nature, even though Eifert's played okay at times, or he's played okay at times. They still have Josh Oliver, who hasn't played at all. But... I'm of the theory that if you give me the two options where get way better on defense so you can offset an offense that might be pretty good or stack the offense and just be okay on defense, I'm talking about stack the offense.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, with what you have right now in terms of offense and defense, you like the offense going forward a lot better than you like the defense. And I do agree with you where if you stack this offense um, and score points, you know, can you win a lot of games? Well, obviously, it depends of the type of personnel that you have. But, like, that's – like, listen – the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm not, hey, listen, the Jaguars are a long way for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. But you look at them, and you don't talk defense. Like, all the Chiefs' defense has to do is just bend. Like, as long as you don't break time after time, you're going to be okay because you have so many weapons on that offense, you can kind of score at will a little bit. So I agree with you here. So that's why I said the tight end position early in the draft because you're not going to find a bona fide tight end in free agency, right? Because if they're really not bona fide, they probably signed a new contract. So when I look at guys like Kyle Pitts, who is probably going to be a surefire first-round uh, you know, pick or whatever, I look at him and it's like, well, you know what? I mean, do you pull the trigger on that type of guy? Maybe he's a little undersized, but he can be such a different kind of threat, such a different kind of weapon where it's like sometimes I think you draft up a little bit just because of what the position says.
1: I like the way you're thinking. More offense, offense, offense this day and age in football, especially in the NFL. Hey, if you like fishing, I've got something for you. When we come back from Streamsong Resort on ESPN 690.